with in the stories of hope. And uh, today, I want to share with you what the Scripture calls the blessed hope. It's, it's the promise and the certainty that Jesus Christ will come again to this earth. And I cannot remember the last time that I heard a message or teaching on the second coming of Jesus Christ. And yet it's something that heaven and eternity and hell and the presence of God and the resurrection have been written about by the prophets and in the Old Testament. It's something that is in all the Gospels and the apostles taught about it as central to our faith. And, and in fact... Um, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And Jesus, this is my favorite, in John 14, he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. He's talking about heaven. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again to take you to be with me. And the certainty of the second coming of Jesus Christ is so important that it's called the blessed hope. And something happens when we bring our attention, our focus to the blessed hope that Jesus Christ will come again. Something happens to us on the inside, and I want to share that with you this morning. We, uh, our culture is under a huge, huge popular misconception that in this journey of life, which is marked by birth and then our journey and then death, and then we, we stand before God and there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There's a popular misconception, and you hear it all the time in our song. You certainly hear it in the funeral parlors. and You hear it that when someone passes away, and that's this, that, well, he or she, they're in heaven now. And, uh, and the popular misconception is this, that, that we can take any route in life that we want, and we can drive any direction. And somehow, we will all end up in the same place called heaven. Nothing could be further from the truth, and it misses the whole point of why Jesus Christ came to this earth. He came to die on the cross as the Lamb of God. You, you've heard in the lyrics today about the Lion of the tribe of Judah. That's another name for Jesus Christ, and the Lamb of God is another name for Jesus Christ. He was the spotless Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And so we, we sing about the Lamb of God, the Lion, and also the Lamb. And Jesus Christ how, is coming back one day for his church. And this morning we're going to see a story, a video, of the Jones family that are living out the hope that Jesus Christ has given to them and how it has turned some tragedy and crisis into real victory or triumph, a hopeful future because of that. And Sherry, uh, you'll recognize her, is the one who sang this morning, one of the vocalists, the, the only female vocalist this morning, and they're also sitting right here. I want you guys to stand, if you would. Uh, John, uh, yes, this, uh, John and um, Sherry, the Jones family, yes. God bless you guys, yeah. You may be seated. Let's show this clip. My name is Sherry Jones, and this is my story of hope. When I think of hope, I think of an expectation that God has for you, 
for your future. Um, it's an anticipation for great things and we should never lose hope in what God has for us. I am from Guyana, South America. I was raised in the church for many years uh, with my family. I've been in ministry and I eventually got married. I had two children, but my marriage was very rocky and I could not stay in it because of the dysfunction that was going on. Life for me was very hard. I felt unfulfilled. I felt hopeless and many a times I questioned a lot of things that was going on in my life. After um, my divorce, it was very, very hard for me because my children were very young and I had a job but it was not a job that can provide for a single mom and two children. Eventually I went back to school and I, I spoke to the Lord and I said, Father, if only you can just give me a better job because the sacrifices were so hard. It was so difficult for me to just live with two children and not have no other support. Uh, after um, finishing my school, uh, my boss called me in one day and told me that he's heard that I went back to school and I had my admin degree and he was going to give me a different position in the company. And I was so happy because I never expected, because there was no opening position, but he just created a position for me. And so I was able to get a better home for us. I had a, a better position. I ended up being his executive administrator. And, you know, even when you feel as if, as if all hope is gone, God can make a way for you when it seems to be no way. Many a times you feel hopeless when you were divorced or you're separated. But through it all, God can create such a sweet and amazing life for you. Married or not, I just wanted to enjoy what God has for me. And if it is for me to be remarried, I wanted to enjoy it. So eventually I went into prayer and fasting and just reading the word and asking God what it is that he has for my future. I couldn't understand that at the age of 28 I will just be alone with two children. So I prayed and I asked God for everything that he has for me. And within a month, Mr. Jones asked me to marry him. I was shocked. I could not believe after a month, you know, and I told him, I said, you know what, um, we need to pray and fast about this. I, I really wanted God to speak to me and tell me directly this is what he has for me. Six weeks later, he was in my country and we got married. Four months later, I was in America, which never happened because visas are so hard to obtain. But God worked it all for us. I've experienced God in everything that I've prayed for, um, with my children, for them to be comfortable, with me to actually leave my country because it wasn't easy for me to leave my country and just come to a whole new country to start a whole new life but God made it all happen and I'm so thankful for what he has done. Sherry and I have been together for seven years. Sherry and have been instrumental, been instrumental to me. So when the devil or circumstances or people will try to tell you things to discourage you Regardless if you're widowed, if you're single, or you remarry, always look up. There's a scripture I always hold on to, Isaiah 43, 19. 
and it says, Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And if you remember that, or whatever scripture, there, there's always a scripture that God will place in our hearts when we are going through our circumstances. God is good. He's faithful. He's just. And I just want to thank God for all that he has done. And my husband, I thank God for him. We, we are, are the Joneses, Joneses and, and this, this is, is our story of hope. Great. And I noticed, Sherry, you were shocked, but you didn't say no. Uh, good response. Let's fast and pray. And uh, absolutely terrific. Um, God is so good, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. God has a story for your life, a story of hope and to, uh, to rebuild something according to his plans for our life. He's so good. The second coming of Jesus Christ, uh, one of the scriptures that I want to share with you is found in the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, and we'll show this this time, and you can follow along. For the grace, the grace of God has appeared. And the grace of God is, is the loving, merciful, and compassionate acts of God that we do not deserve. But God makes available to us because he loves us. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That means through Jesus Christ, the opportunity to place our faith and trust in him is available to all because God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to salvation and repentance instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Praise his name. Amen. I want to share three things this morning. As we, I've prayed that God would make the blessed hope real to us. You see, there are four, four main teachings concerning Jesus Christ that we believe as a fellowship. The first is that Jesus Christ is our Savior. The second is that Jesus Christ is our healer. And that he, and because of his power, he heals us of all of our diseases, emotional, physical, lack in our life, because by his stripes you were healed. That's what the scripture declares. We believe that Jesus Christ is the baptizer, that he is the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and fills us with the Holy Spirit. And number four, he is our soon coming king. Soon coming king. And fixing our hope on him, the blessed hope, changes us on the inside. And so to serve Jesus and say, I thank God that he has saved me, and now basically I live 
and I've got my ticket punched, and one day I'm all going to go to heaven, we miss the best part of why Jesus Christ came to this life. He is the healer. He wants to be involved in our lives and make things, make the crooked paths straight. Take the sickness and return it to health. And where there's a lack of despair, he gives us hope. Where there's turmoil, he gives a peace. Not the peace that this world gives, but a peace that passes all understanding. And to know that one day he's coming back, does something to us. We begin to look for him and it filters out so many of the things that are unnecessary and crowd out our lives from knowing him and loving him. As, as many of you know, I like to garden. And I like to garden, and I can hardly wait for the first big, red, juicy tomatoes. Um, every year I do the same thing. I'm filled with hope, and so I have raised beds, and I always put more in there than I should put. I have 40 potato plants growing, all right? Uh, um, I, I planted last night, or yesterday, I planted nine tomato plants, and the more I got thinking about this, I'm just going to have to do a dastardly deed, and I'm going to have to pluck a couple of those guys out of there. It is absolutely killing me, but I have to do that, because this is what happens. When we plant things too close together in the garden of our hearts, it competes for the nourishment of our lives, and it crowds out. And in, just like in a real garden, when things are planted too close together, that are certain debilitating viruses and de- diseases that spread very quickly and very rapidly when we plant those things too close together. When we fix our hope on Jesus Christ, something happens And it begins to weed out those things in our life that are very temporary, those things that really compete for the attention that God, our Heavenly Father, and Jesus Christ, our Savior, want and so deserve and so desire in our lives. And it begins to compete for their attention and our relationship with Him. Before you know it, our lives have created the perfect environment for diseases or blight or uh, there's all different kinds. I can name the, the different type of nematodes. How many are not interested in nematodes this morning? All right. I won't do that. But the garden of our heart deserves one alone, and that's Jesus Christ to be the Lord and King of our heart. And as we fix our hope on Him, I want to share three things this morning that I believe will encourage us. First of all, the second coming of Jesus is as certain as his first coming. I want you to raise your hand. How many believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he died for us? We celebrate this on Easter. His second coming is as certain as his first coming. The book of Hebrews chapter 9 tells us this, verse 27 and 28. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once and after this comes judgment, So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. And what the writer was saying is that you and I have an appointment. How many many understand that we have an appointment? 
we have an appointment. We are appointed to be born, and there's an appointment with death. And I, I don't like that, and I don't like to talk about that. In fact, I don't even dwell on it. I'm, I'm just, it's, I'm hoping for something else is going to happen other than that. But there's an appointment that everyone has that's on this earth. And because of that, because after we pass away, we stand before God, the judgment seat. Everyone in this place will stand before God. And one of the things, one of the questions, if we were to stand before God and God would say to you, why, why should you come into heaven? And if we said, well, because, you know, there was a great country song I sang, and that's what they said, he's in heaven. Or I went to the funeral parlor and they told me, every time I went, they said, oh, look at her. She looks so beautiful. Look at the good job and all the flowers. And, and now we know she's in heaven. So all my friends said it, so it must be so. There's one way into heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And can someone say, praise God? And because of this, because of this, that's appointed unto mankind once to die, the Scripture tells us this, that Jesus Christ came the first time. He left heaven so that he could bear my sins and your sins on the cross so that we could have eternal life. Can someone say amen? Praise God. So he's coming back. So in your notes this morning in the program, Christ came the first time to bear our sins on the cross. And this comes as part of God's plan, and he's also coming the second time. And then God raised Christ from the dead and seated him in heaven. I want to take just a few minutes to refresh our memory of what's going on. Right now, he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father for the church and for you. In fact, God's Word says that all things have been given to Jesus Christ for the church so that we could preach the gospel so that every nation would hear and every person would hear. And when, all the, when the gospel's been preached to every nation, then will the end come. And then he's in heaven because one day, one day, God is going to restore this earth to a new heavens and a new earth. This earth has been corrupted because of mankind. It, back in the garden when the serpent came, and came to Adam and Eve, and God had said to them, you can have anything you want, and he appeared with them daily. To, they worshiped, they had fellowship, because God loves to fellowship with us. And I just want to encourage you, regardless of your religious background or what you taught, what you were taught about God, the fact of the matter is, is that God wants to have fellowship with you and me. He wants to have fellowship with you and me. Sometimes we're taught that God is mad at us. Somewhat, sometimes we're taught that God is the inspector. Or like when we were little kids, I don't know where this ever came from. My parents certainly didn't say this, but if we would see a policeman in a car, and back then, remember, there were no seat belts, you remember that? And all of us kids would dive on the floor. Where that came from, I have no idea. The policemen I know have been great friends and protectors. In fact, we have uh, law, uh, officers in the church here, great friends. They're, they exist for, for our good. 
But sometimes we get the idea that God is like a big policeman or he's the inspector. And so we got to make sure that we always put our best on for him. And we hopefully that, that he'll stop us and, okay, all right, I'm just going to give you a warning this time and go on our way. Friends, I'm here to tell you that God is so much more than that in our lives. Praise God. Praise his name. But right now, Jesus Christ is in heaven and uh, there will be one day new heavens and new earth because when Adam and Eve took of that, they ate of that, that fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the reason God said you can't have this because only God, who is all wise, who is all knowing and eternal, knows what is truly good for you and for me. And when they took that, when they took that, they entered into into God's territory that God said is mine alone and you shall not do that. And the world has been in one big mess ever since because we continually want things that are not good or righteous for us, but we will call them good to justify our consuming them. How many follow what I'm saying? Yes, yes. And so In the plan of God, one day there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And then Christ will come the second time for salvation. I I just want to direct your attention to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And and we'll put this on the screen. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. And what Paul the Apostle is writing to the church and why he said we can comfort each other is this, is that one day, one day, because Jesus Christ came the first time, he, he is coming the second time. They're not standalone events. The cross of Calvary was not a one and done. Amen. It was not a one and done. There is another act, and that is that Jesus Christ is coming back And this is called the rapture of the church. And one day, and we don't know when it'll be, we do know it'll come like a thief in the night, that the the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Jesus Christ will come back from heaven with a trumpet sound, with an archangel, with the voice, and the dead in Christ will rise. And you say, Pastor Paul, where do do you get that stuff from? Well, hold on, we're going to get there to it in just a moment. But those who have believed in Jesus Christ and have passed away, there's called the dead in Christ. That does not, he's not referring to people falling asleep during the sermon on Sunday morning, okay? That's not the dead in Christ. He's, but those who have died one day, God's word says that when Jesus Christ comes back, they're going to be resurrected and we're going to be caught up in the air and then those who those who are alive, we also will be caught up, and so we will ever be with the Lord. Praise His name. And what's going to happen, our body is going to change. 
when you go from this earth into heaven, how many know something better change because earth can never inhabit heaven, can inherit it. But God is going to give us a resurrected body. Oh, I'm excited about it. Praise God. And then the second thing I want to share with you is that our resurrection from the dead is as certain as his resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ came. He died. He was buried in the grave, and he rose on the third day. Paul the Apostle wrote about that, and he said, if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. Some would say, well, the resurrection, that might be for, for Jesus because he, he was God. No, no. The resurrection is the resurrection. If the dead are not raised, not even Jesus Christ was raised. That's powerful. But he said, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you're still in your sin. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he, that's Jesus Christ, hands over the kingdom to God and the Father when he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power. Praise his name. Amen. Praise God. Because he rose from the dead, you and I are also going to rise from the dead. Now, in your notes this morning, that's the promise. But Paul wrote this, that there is so much more to our salvation in this life than simply in this life. And let me, let me say, you say, Pastor, what are, you, what are you talking about? What are you getting at, you know? Well, this is, this is what this is about. Hoping only in this life, Paul said, if that's all, it's pitiable because this is what the Word of God says. After our shelf life has expired, in other words, after this life is over, how many know you all have a shelf life? Are you with me? Raise your hands, please, so I know that you're with me. You all and I have a shelf life. You know what that is. Used by. We have a shelf life. Get over it. Some of you are all growing stale, and I feel I am too. Okay, I'm just going to back away from that. But this is, this is what God's Word has to say to us, is, is this, that after we have been raised from the dead and there's heaven, the promise is that all tears will be wiped from our eyes. The promise is there's no more sickness, death, or dying. The promise is that in His presence is fullness of joy. The promise is that there's healing for the nations. The promise is that when we see Him, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. This is why Paul wrote, he said, No, it has not even entered into our hearts 
the things that God has in store for those that love him. In fact, he said, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has in store or reserved for those that love him. You and I, with these limited capacities that we have, cannot even begin to fathom what life in heaven with Jesus Christ will be like. Can someone say amen? Amen. And so it's wonderful that Jesus Christ has saved me and cleansed me and forgiven me. I, oh, I am so grateful. But I am also glad that, that there's, there's even more to it and it is so glorious that I can't even begin to imagine what it's about. So fix our hope upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise his name. In this shelf life, I, you know, I've, I've tried to imagine a little bit what, like, what, what in the world is this about? It means that, that my wife won't call me anymore because the batteries run dead in a parking lot somewhere. It means that I won't have the flu and I won't have to call out to her and say, oh, come in and come into the bedroom and do... You know, and she won't have to listen to that. She won't have to put up with it anymore. Uh, I might have shared with you, I, once I said to her, I said, man, I'm feeling so bad and, and, and you don't even feel sorry. And she said, I don't have to. You feel sorry enough for yourself. And so, <laughs> there's no more of that, babe. No more NyQuil. No more getting it just right and tell me it's going to be okay because you're not my mommy. I know that. And that's not, yeah. Listen, no more failed pension plans. No more worry about the stock market crash. No more. We will see him and we'll be like him for we'll see him as he is. And because he came, he died. He's coming the second time. And because he rose from the dead, all who have fixed their hope and belief in him are going to rise with him. In fact, Christ is the first fruits, and at his coming, those who belong to him will be raised. Praise his name. Because, listen, our citizenship is in heaven. Paul wrote that. From which we await, we await a Savior. Salvation will be made complete, healing will be made complete, hope will be made complete. Love will be made complete. The third thing I want to share with you is fixing our hope on His coming purifies us. John the Beloved, who also wrote the book of Revelation, he said this. He said, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. But we know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. My wife and I have had the privilege to raise, rear, according to, rear, raise, rear, raise, raise, rear, four daughters. And, and, and I have gone through uh, trials and tribulations. No, I... <laughs> But I married them off to four different men. And what I know is this. 
that the bride fixes her attention on that day. And in her house, it would be, who, who's the photographer? What kind of food? Where is it going to be? What about the gown? Who's going to be in the, who's, who are the, who's the maid of honor? All of those things. And I will say this, I'm so glad they took care of the details because it could be stressful. I'm collateral damage. Just look at me. How? No. But that's what the talk was about for weeks, months. And I understand that. And so I married married all four daughters, and the groom would walk down the aisle, and uh, his attention was fixed on his bride that would soon come down the aisle, and I had the privilege of giving them away. Her attention was fixed on this wedding day, but his also was fixed on her, and The Bible says that the church of Jesus Christ is called the bride, the bride of Christ, the bride. Jesus' attention is focused on his church and on you and on me for that day. He sits at the right hand of the Father right now, the earth has become his footstool, the Bible says, until all enemies have been vanquished. And there's coming a day that only the Father knows, and Jesus Christ himself doesn't know, when the Father will say, it's okay. now's the time. Descend from heaven. Descend from heaven. In the parable of the foolish versions and wise versions in Matthew it tells the story of the wedding night and they, how they were to keep their lamps ready because in that day and culture, the groom and, the, and, and his party would come sometime at the night, but they didn't know when it was, but there would be noise and trumpet sounds and, and he would come and the bride was, and, the, bri- and, the, and the, the, the wedding attendants were urged to keep their lamps full and burning bright, and expectation so that when the groom came, they were ready to go with him. And the Lord says to you and to me as the church of Jesus Christ to keep our hearts filled with the Holy Spirit, to burn bright for the Lord Jesus Christ, to serve his purposes, to not neglect so great a salvation that's been deposited in us, to fix our eye on heaven because it purifies our soul. It allows us to love Him and to want to know Him. We live in a, a day and age when there's so much activity and so much culture. And I was we were, the other day in staff meeting, we were talking about this and, and so many of the delivery systems that, that we had at one time to know God just seemed to get absorbed in the rush and and so it's, it's easy not to read the Scripture. How many know the Scripture is a way that you can know God? It's a very vital way. It's easy to say, 
I'm not going to be faithful to the house of God because, well, hey, no one will miss me. No, no, someone will miss you, but that's not the point. The point is that we're to assemble together until that day. Don't forsake the assembly together because this is a this is a delivery system that God uses to worship Him together so we can be reminded of the promises of God and the hope of God. And how about this morning? We're talking about standing on God and His promises, Christ Jesus. How about that? How about the lion and the lamb being proclaimed and we're loving the Lord and, and this is it's a delivery system to know Him, being filled with the Spirit is a delivery system to draw close to God and it crowds out all the, the things, the conforming pressures of this world and fixing our hope on Him as we are the bride of Jesus Christ absolutely purifies us and it gets rid of so many of the competing things in our life. Praise His name. And on that day, on that day, on that day, we will be like Him. I can't imagine what it's like. I can't imagine what it's like. Can't imagine. We can have great confidence and hope when we, when we fix our hope on the blessed hope. I can't imagine what it will be like to be like Jesus Christ, forever triumphant. No more fears, no, about, no more worries, no more cares perfect, pure, holy, living for eternity, filled with love, never offended. Can you imagine with me a few things? No more sickness. Just can't, can't imagine. But you and I have the opportunity to participate because of God's great love for us. He laid down his life for us. When we're without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Praise his name. Jesus Christ is coming back. That's a certainty. Daniel, you you can come if you would, if you would, please. Judgment is also a certainty. Heaven and hell are certain, but so is God's forgiveness. Certain. So is his cleansing. So is God's grace. So is a life abundant because of Jesus Christ. Help for the present and heaven for the future. It's all certain because he came once, he's coming again. But we don't have to wait from now and wonder. Today is the day of salvation. We can make our calling and our election sure. Praise his name. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment, if you would. I want to give an opportunity this morning. If, if you're here and just you sense God tugging at your heart, and you, you say, Lord, I want to turn my life over to you. God, I want to turn my life over to you. I want Jesus Christ to come into my life and give me hope. I want him to come into my life and forgive me. And I want to know most of all his great love for me and his grace in my life. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something. I won't embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you, you just lift your hand. No one else is looking around. Just lift your hand right now and say, that's, that's me, Pastor Paul. It's wherever you are. Just raise your hand. 
say, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Put your hand high. Yes, yes. Are there others this morning? Yes, amen. Praise God. Church, isn't God good? Praise his name. Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're amazed and we're blown away. You know every detail of our lives and that your grace is poured out on us anyway. We thank you, Lord, that we can fix our hope on you and that you are our solid rock. We thank you, Lord, as we come into, go into communion, Lord, that you will bless this special time. In our name, in your name we pray. Amen.